All right, everybody, welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. My name is Cassie Gray, and I am your host. And today I'm thrilled because we are joined by a few members of the San Diego Soccer Women, their organization slash network um, based in San Diego. We want to hear all about it. So if you wouldn't mind introducing yourselves and sort of when you joined the organization, and then you can tell us a little bit about what you guys do and who you are. Go for it. We'll start with you. Yep, go ahead. <laughs> Hi, um, my name is Sharissa Calvert, and um, I'm actually the North County Women's Soccer Association president. And how I actually came involved was um, I had a friend refer me. I had been taking doing some pickup games, and this was quite a while back. It's around the 2000s because I was going to get about to get married and hadn't played soccer since I was about 18. And I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to get into my dress? And I loved soccer playing as a youth. And she said, oh, you know, we have a lot of soccer here in Poway and in our North County, you know, why don't you join, you know, one of the women's leagues? And I was completely clueless, but I uh, was, was really happy when I found it. Had outdoor, indoor, indoor leagues, just had a lot of soccer. So that's how I started just playing. And then it kind of grew from there. Very cool. And Sue, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Sue Duvall PG. Um, I'm 50 years old and I am the current president of the Prime of Life Women's Soccer League in San Diego, California. And I actually didn't play soccer throughout um, kind of my teen and uh, 20s. Um, I played a little bit of AYSO, I think like most kids did, and then they kind of moved on. But when I was in high school, we actually did not have a girls soccer team. And then when I went to college, I went to a small college called Point Loma Nazarene College, and we did not have a women's soccer team there either. Um, since that time, they've um, really ramped up Title IX and kind of seen where they wanted to reallocate. And so PLNC now has um, a women's soccer team that's very successful. But I kind of fell back into soccer in my mid-20s. I was at work and uh, there was a woman passing me in the hall and she said, you look kind of athletic. Do you want to play soccer? And so I said, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And fast forward, here I am, you know, 26 ish years later. Um, and for our particular prime of life, women's soccer league, the minimum age playing age is 45. And so when I hit that milestone, um, I had one of my good friends say, Hey, you're ready to go. Come join us and got on a team. And then um, in late 2019, um, I was uh, elected as the president of the league. And like you were saying before, Cassie, 2020 COVID kind of came. So uh, that kind of threw a wrench into the plans. But um, fortunately, we were able to um, kind of continue playing pickup games safely. Uh, and we had some very informal meetings and we were able to kind of continue our fitness um, late in 2020 up till when we started our league again in April 2021, which I think if I'm if, if I'm correct, was one of the first women's leagues that opened up again in San Diego after COVID. So, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where we are right now. That's so cool. And so you both are part of an organization called San Diego Soccer Women. Can you explain to our listeners what that is? Because you're both in separate leagues, presidents of other leagues, but explain how you come together and what you guys do as an organization, I guess. You want, you want me to go? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so the San Diego Soccer Women, like, um, uh, Brandy Mitchell has is uh, brought together through the social media is really a way that gets um, us uh, communication to everyone in San Diego, especially on the women's side. And um, like Sue said, I mean, there's different age leagues. It's not necessarily the older women. It's just any women who want to play soccer. And um, Brandy has been very um, instrumental in getting the word out and connecting us because um, when I started, um, actually my mom had, had played prior to me back in the day, as we always say, and uh, here in uh, North County. And back then, obviously it wasn't as organized. We didn't have internet and that kind of thing. Um, so the women pretty much did what 
they could at that point. But with Brandy, you know, she she's really cognizant of what's come before and really tried to help push the women being able to say, hey, you know, is there anything out there that we can, you know, join and communicate that to everybody? That's really cool that there's a network for all these leagues up here where I'm at in the Bay Area. One, there isn't really a ton of women specific leagues. And, and if there are more than a few, it's really hard to find them. And I have a lot of people living in the Silicon Valley. There's a lot of turnover, a lot of people moving here, leaving because of the tech world. And it's constantly like, I'll, I'll come across people like that. and like, hey, do you want to join? And um, it's, it's really hard to find. So to have a network where you can go find all the leagues, like your guys' website, if you guys haven't heard of San Diego Soccer Women, check them out on their website. They have all the different leagues and tournaments listed. It's really neat to have a whole base area to go and find what you're looking for. And, and you know, it's so funny. I have a few girls I played college soccer with here in San Diego, and they play down there. And I'm like, I wonder if they're in your league. I'm going to have to <laughs> ask them now because I know, I mean, they, they're very avid. Like, they've played for years since we stopped playing. And um, that's really, really cool. I love that, that you guys are doing that. What I do love, and it's on the San Diego Soccer Room website, that really it's kind of ages, I mean, 30 to 70 and 80s. So there are women in their 70s and 80s playing soccer. Is that right? Yes. And I can tell you a story about that one. When I first joined the North County Women's Soccer League, my very first game, I met Bonnie and she was the president at the time. And she was a grandma and she plays with her daughter and her granddaughter. And that to me was like, that's my hero. That's what I want to be, you know, somebody yeah. who's a grandma that's still playing. <laughs> I think that's awesome. And I, you know, I think that it, there is a, a little bit of like an ageism in soccer where, I mean, I know when I stopped playing collegiately, I kind of, I needed a break mentally from the game for a little bit. My sister is five years older than me and she was in a women's league up here and she's like, come play, come play. And it, for me, it was like, I want to play with people that I know I'm not ready to like, I'm going to take it too seriously. And now, you know, in the last five years, her and I started playing, we, we scrounged up all the girls we used to play rec soccer with or comp soccer with, and we started a team and it was just so fun. And you know, we'll get these young 20 girls on our team. And I'm like, you do the running and I'll just I'll use the sparts, you know, it's all good. But, but it brought so much joy again. And I think that this idea that you can play into your seventies and eighties is so awesome. You know, that's so cool. I love it. Um, and so if you are in the San Diego area listeners, you definitely need to check it out because it is playing at every age. You can join, you can return to the game. You can continue to play if you're just stopping. Um, and it sounds like you guys are still playing and with all the COVID stuff, it's going well, which is awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, if I could just add something, Cassie, yeah, um, absolutely. what Charissa was saying. Um, I think you might be in the age group where you're kind of a tweener. I'll call you a tweener, right? Where you're out of college, but you might have younger children, but you're kind of itching to get back a little bit, right? And that's kind of where we are too. Um, we, on our Prime of Life, Prime of Life page, we have an area where you can say join a team. And so we get emails pretty regularly saying, I haven't played in 20 years. I'm out of shape, but I miss it so much. And our league in particular, it's really well suited for those people because one, we try and be very welcoming, but two, it's a chance to kind of come back maybe a little more slowly, build yourself up a bit. And then when you're in the age group of 45 plus, it's also a very social event that we really are in need of. So you've got a little exercise. It's not all about winning a championship in our league in particular, but you kind of have that nice combination of getting some exercise, being competitive, and also seeing your friends. That's, that's like perfect for me. And, I, and that's kind of when we went back to playing five years ago or whatever, I was the team manager. I'm getting everybody who's indoor and at the facility, they had a bar. And so it was literally mm -hmm. like, we played a game. We'd all go grab a beer. It was the social mm -hmm. thing. And it was a Sunday night. So we all had to work the next day. It wasn't like a crazy night, but it was, you know, you could bring your kids there, but that was also the issue. I think, like you said, the tweener age is hard. It's like the childcare issues. And the, the, I know for me, it's still at this age with my kids, like, I don't want to give up a full Sunday, but if it was a social thing and you knew the other families and they knew each other's kids, it becomes a, an event, like you said. I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
I agree. Yeah. I, I've had a couple of teams like that too. And um, North Carolina, the same thing. And our league uh, has, has been in uh, existence since 1974. And like I said, it, you know, it has evolved. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of the ladies had now having their daughters play and stuff like that. But yeah, again, it's, it's that whole um, being able to um, connect with other women and, um, and not so have the exercise and all that, you know, really helps. Well, it's something I think that your organization does too, that, that maybe you don't even mean to be doing, but I know it's a big part of what Brandy believes in is just the, the access and representation to show people that women of all ages can do a lot within the sport as players, but even off the field. And I think that sets a, a level of, of leadership within the sport that young girls need to see, even collegiate girls need to see. Um, there's so many players that, you know, in, in my organization with female footballers, we noticed this drop in participation at 13, but then you have the next level of dropout around 18 when college starts and they, they stop playing high school soccer or rec soccer. And then again, at 22, after college ends, you get all these players who they're either burned out or they're like, oh, there isn't a place for me here. But I love that you're representing and just saying, yes, there is. And there needs to be more um, networks like yours all around the country. And I'm sure there are more, but I love how vocal you guys are about showing that representation. And that was a big reason why I think it's important to have you on the podcast was just to, to show our listeners and our, and our people that follow female footballers that this this is happening and it's probably happening where you live. You just need to do a little more research, but if you're in the San Diego area, you need to check this out for sure. Um, but part of that representation, it also, um, it, it's not just your playing that you're showing, you know, that, that you represent, but it's also the knowledge of the game and, and being fans of the game um, and showing that, you know, there are tons of women fans of women's soccer. And so I, I think we need to nerd out a little bit on some of that when it comes to the women's national team, the NWSL, because um, like you, I've been around long enough to see all the different leagues unfold. Um, so I think we need to start off with, I wanna know who your uh, favorite retired female player is and favorite current female players. I'll start to give you some time to think about it. Um, my favorite retired player, that's really hard for me, it's probably a tie between Mia Hamm and Michelle Akers. Um, those were kind of the stars of my generation. Uh, current player, that's also hard, but it, it was Tobin, but I'm leaning to Rose Lavelle now. Like, she's kind of like my new favorite. Um, and that's all women's national team. I, I could go NWSL, I could go international pros, but we'll, we'll stick with just <laughs> national teams. So what do you guys have for me? Who are your faves? Why don't you go first on this one? Okay, so um, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you, Cassie. Uh, Michelle Akers, uh, I actually got to meet Michelle. Uh, she came down to my college and this was the time when I was kind of a tweener myself. I wasn't playing soccer, so I didn't really know who she was. Um, I, I'm ashamed to say that, but uh, she was there um, with a goalkeeper's coach um, camp. And I was working camps and conferences on, on campus uh, my sophomore year. And obviously, Michelle Akers, when you see her, she's somebody special and somebody athletic. So even if you don't know that she plays soccer, like she's somebody. So, you know, being an athlete myself, I, I found out pretty quickly who she was. Um, and I'm kind of nerded out because I'm Michelle Akers. I like to call myself her Facebook friend and her Instagram buddy because I follow her. Um, so I'll just say that we're close friends, but um, she just is tough blue collar, get dirt all over yourself, maybe don't wear shin guards sometimes, you know, she's that kind of blue collar player. And I've always kind of um, really admired those players across all of sports, right? Not really flashy, gets the job done. I mean, we all remember 99, we all remember that World Cup final, right? I mean, literally like dragged her off the field, dragged her back on the field. Um, so she is, uh, definitely my favorite retired player. Um, Shannon McMillan is a close second. She's in San Diego as well. And, and yeah, I love Mac, but, um, 
As far as current US players go, I gotta say I love Crystal Dunn. And one of the reasons, I mean, we all know what happened in the last, well, not last World Cup, prior World Cup, right? She didn't make And she crawled out from that hole that she was in and went to the bar and watched those games and came back. And she's such a versatile player. And it's such a, a like champion story that she shares. And I just, I love watching her play. She's no nonsense, gets the job done. Um, I do have to say, I got to throw in an international player and Sharice, I think knows who my favorite, favorite player is. And that's the international goat, Christine Sinclair. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I love Sinky. <laughs> yeah, she's my um, here, and I I grew up playing against her, and I still like it. Like, like I just yeah, I'm with you on that. She's amazing. Yeah, and she's a wonderful human being. From everything I've heard, we met her up at the we went up to the NWSL championship game a few years ago in Portland, and we totally geeked out and waited at the side where they all go in before the game and then they came out and they actually lost that game to North Carolina and, and we kind of hung around and she was so gracious because you know they just lost kind of kind of a tough game and really she came out and was nice to everybody and her brother and sister-in-law were there and she's like well where are we going to go eat right it was kind of like I'm not going to feel sorry for myself it's like well what do we do now where are we going to go so of the sinky <laughs> Mm -hmm. See. So, uh, so my um, well retired player for the nas national team, well tied between Julie Fowdy and, and Abby Wambach, definitely two, two um, very, very talented and um, just amazing players. And um, for someone that's on the team right now, we don't know how much longer because I am a defender, I have to go with my Becky Sauerbrown because she's just a beast. Yep. And um, yeah, like I said, I have many other uh, players I admire both uh, the US national team and internationally. And a lot on the national, on the NWSL too, obviously we've, we've had a really fun, you know, nine years of discovering a lot of different athletes there because they're, they're amazing. So. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love your guys' choices, though. Like, I'm with you on the, the Acres reasoning, and my Mia Hamm reasoning is more just, I also, not flashy, but thrown into there, having to be the poster child, but just graceful. But I was thinking, as you guys were talking, like, you're like the mecca where you are of all these <laughs> players. Like, I mean, Mac, you know, runs the club down there. You've got Foudy down there. You have I don't know if Mia Hamm lives in, I mean, a lot of them live in the South Bay of um, like Hermosa, Manhattan Beach area. You're really near a lot of them. I'm jealous. I used to live in Hermosa Beach for a little <laughs> while, but it wasn't, it was just starting to be that area um, for soccer. We lived there because my husband played for the Galaxy for a while, but yeah, it was, it wasn't quite what it is now. So, oh, very cool. Good choices. Um, well, so with you bringing up, you know, Christine Sinclair too, and and Sauerbrunn, this all made me think about this too. I mean, we got to talk about the Olympics then, because, ooh, I want you know overall thoughts of Olympic performance from both of you. I'll tell you my version after you go, because it's probably similar, is my guess. <laughs> so go ahead, Sue. Do you have overall thoughts? Yeah. So, um, I. You know, I try and kind of make my my opinions not based on other people, but it's sometimes hard not to kind of read comments from from you know people about the games. But um, during World Cup 2019, and Sharissa knows this as well, I watched every single game during the World Cup, every game, and so I watched the other international teams and you know you're looking at Spain well where did Spain come from right it was kind of like hey we need to keep an eye on them you know and and the English team and and even with you're looking at English professional leagues right that development is there and so um when the Olympics were were ready to start you know we probably all heard that no World Cup winner had won a gold immediately after right and there's a reason for that and so I always kind of had that in the back of my mind will we be the first team to do that and then the Sweden game started right and it was like huh this is not 
looking so strong. What is up? And I was hoping that as we continued through the couple weeks of the Olympics, they get that spark because I think the spark wasn't there and I didn't really know why. I thought maybe they would build on it. Um, but that first Sweden game really kind of um, maybe showed a little burnout, maybe showed a little disconnect. Um, I think kind of the basics in that first game weren't being met, the passes weren't connecting. Um, there's just something that was a little off. So um, going through the rest of the games, you know, all of us got up at one in the morning. It was on West Coast time or five in the morning. I was going to ask you if you woke up in the middle of the night. This West Coast yeah. was like brutal for the Olympics. Yes. Totally we had the toughest, the toughest. Uh, we did. East Coast said no problem. We're exactly. Like, oh, so no. we were, we were part of the team no sleep. Some yeah. were the part of the team alarm set. We were part of the team no sleep. So we'd be up all night and, um, yeah, and, and as we were progressing, I was thinking, boy, I think we're in a little bit of trouble. But with that, I also saw the other teams stepping up, right? Like the Canadians. I don't know if you watched the Canada game, but, you know, Steph Labe, the goalkeeper, had a pretty significant injury, right? And I thought, okay, right after the injury, save the PK. And then said, I read her mouth, she's like, it's too much. So she came off and I thought maybe Labe's done for the tournament. But you know, fast forward to the final, what a hero, right? I mean, she stepped up and, and just carried them on her back. But um, overall, the Olympics were a wake-up call for the Americans, in my opinion. Um, I'd like to see the difference between the younger players and the older players. I'm, you know, people are calling for Carly Lloyd. Oh, she's ready to retire. I absolutely disagree. When you have that fire in your belly again that she was lacking for a while, when you have that back um, and you're in the best shape of your life, keep going, right? Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of positives that came out with those Olympics. Um, there were a couple of things, obviously, that kind of stared them in the face, but I think that's, that's important for any good team. We're still the best in the world and we can just build on it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you said. yeah like you said, uh, after watching all the games in the Olympics and how the the ride went. <laughs> um, I too believe, I mean, yeah, it was a shock, obviously, to any U.S. fan that first game of not seeing that that cohesiveness and the way that it was playing out. You're just like, what? And um, yeah, all the other teams, you know, they're, they're coming up. And um, I was at the 2015 World Cup in Canada. I got to see the opening game and watched all of Canada's game live I was there in Edmonton and again like you said we've, we've seen the progress of them and the other teams coming up you know they're getting more support you know England's getting more support you know they're getting some more support which is obviously going to help those ladies grow and um, again like I said it's just you know I, I don't think it was just one thing it was something was totally missing now, are they completely out? No, I don't think so. Like I said, they are, they are fighters. They're tremendous athletes. And, um, you know, there's a short window until the, the next World Cup. But again, you know, we have to see how that's going to be balanced. And um, as all things go, you know, we have to get in the new players and have to bring them out and, and see, you know, see how we can do. And, and we can see now, okay, let's learn from this. And I'm sure they are going to you know, because that's how, how they, they work, so. Yeah, no, I agree with both of you. Um, in, in my opinion, I think what was missing was the, there was a mental breakdown, in my opinion. I think that that stems from a culture, a culture issue on the team, whether that's a locker room, whether that's a new coach coming in and them not knowing their place, um, whether that was, they all kind of got really big after 2019, and it was like, let's come back to what's really important. Um, I think they are still number one, absolutely. But um, I do think that, I think that the camaraderie, that piece, like what we were talking about in the beginning of why we play and, and why we love the sport, it does have a lot to do with, you know, I don't know, working together as a team, that camaraderie piece. And I think that was a little off. And I don't think that's just because there was a couple of new faces in there. I think a coach sets the tone. I wouldn't say it's by any means his fault. But I think that you could tell there was a disconnect there, not to say he's a bad coach, but just 
this is part of the regrowing, you know, starting over from Ellis's tenure. Um, so I agree with both of you. And and um, I'm one, I'm very impressed you stayed up all night. I was the alarm setter, but also like missed. I mean, I woke up to one of the games. It was just like, oh my God, I couldn't wake up. And then I, you know, I still was there, but I was just like pretty disappointed and um, just sad, I think sad. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, it, it was interesting. But you touched on, Sue, you touched on Carly Lloyd not being done. That was going to be my next question was just, there were a lot of articles published. One, I thought it was sad to see how many people flipped and turned on the women's national team once they started losing. That yes. was very frustrating. Just, I, know. I feel like that's very American too. <laughs> we just love winners. We don't love the struggle. Um, that was frustrating. But there's also a lot of articles about the ageism issue and whether they need to all retire and all of that. And I had a few friends texting me, you know, how come women's national team, it's our full team and the men's national team, it's the U23s. How come we don't do that? And I was like, so many good questions. But yeah, what are your thoughts on sort of the ages? The average age, one of the articles I read, I think it was ESPN, the average age was 30 years old for our team which was significantly higher than many teams. So what are your guys' thoughts on that when it comes to, I mean, some of the articles mentioned, you know, three games in a six day period for some of the older players is too much and rosters weren't deep enough because you could only have 22 and all these things. So anyways, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, go ahead, Teresa. Um, definitely heard a lot about that and um, some people have even said like, you know, why should soccer be in the Olympics? You know, why don't, why don't the women have their own professional tournament, you know, outside of it that way, you know, because of the Olympics and the way that they have the games, it wouldn't be, you know, considered that um, tremendous on, on uh, the athletes. But again, I think as, you know, even if you're older, I think it's still, no matter what, I think there are professionals, soccer players and athletes and they will do what they can to do it and um i think it's still viable for the olympics and um again i don't know why they ha have to attack anyone who gets older i mean if you want to look at equivalent men in their age you know obviously you know they're not saying oh you know messi's old and everybody else is old why are they still playing you know <laughs> it's just um, it's it's tough and and it is I know that's the mentality of the U.S. Sometimes how we view, you know, these kinds of uh, competitions and stuff like that. Totally, I agree, and I I think there are a couple factors surrounding uh, this topic. Um, you know, it's easy to harp on the number one team. Right. I mean, you're super critical of the number one team. You're not super critical of the number 33 team. Right. And you've got very outspoken players on the U.S. national team. And so when there's any sign of maybe weakness, people pounce on that. Right. And they really exploit that. And unfairly, in my opinion, um, professional athletes have to take, you know, a certain level of criticism just due to the nature uh, of, of what they do. Um, as far as the naysayers go with, with Carly in particular, and even maybe uh, Megan, um, I think a lot of those people who said, oh, they're too old, they need to move on, really have not been following either of those players on a consistent basis, yeah. right? Because I've watched Carly with Sky Blue, where I thought, hmm, there's something missing. And then boom, Jill Ellis is gone and I see the fire come back. And I think that people kind of had a knee-jerk reaction with the Olympics saying, she's 38, that's the only reason why they lost. And they don't really have a lot of background and they don't have a lot of, I watch games every week and I see that that's really not the case. And Sharice, I think you nailed it with, I've never heard anybody say, Messi's old, he's ready to go. You know, maybe that's a female thing. Yeah. Maybe that's a female thing, right? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, well, you're getting weaker, so you better hang them up. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't think I've really heard a lot of that um, language in the men's game or men's sports where they're saying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar needs to retire. He's old, right? But I do see a lot of it in the women's game. Um, and it's interesting because I also read a lot of the Canadian feedback about their gold medal win 
and Sinky's old. You know, if you're going to say somebody's old, she's kind of <laughs> up there. I don't think anybody said, oh, it's time for her to hang him up, right? Really? I mean, I might have said, great, she got her gold medal, but I didn't really see a lot of feedback where people were saying, oh, she's washed up, it's time to go. So I think maybe that has something to do with kind of being the best in the world. And maybe it's a little easy to criticize people who are kind of in that position. I agree. I think like there's, you know, there was 44 wins in a row going into the Olympics. Like I would not want that on my back. I wish they would have lost before the Olympics just so <laughs> that they didn't have that. You know, I, we talked in my, another podcast episode just with my staff about the Simone Biles situation. And I think you can equate a little bit of the national team to that mentality of there's so much hype around being the best. There's a level of criticism, like you said, that they have, that they're going to get, but there's also this, there's not a lot of um, empathy when it comes to just that level of success. And we expect the best. And if they don't perform, they, we turn on them. And it's sort of like, you know, I, I know that the women's national team travels with the sports psychologist. That's a big part of what we do at Female Footballers is talking about the mental side. But it was clear that to me, that mental, that mentality side of it was what was missing. And I think that you need veterans um, in the next three years to be on that team to prepare them for the next World Cup because those are the players that are going to instill the mentality. That Carly Lloyd fire, they all need that. You know, if you don't have that, I think Abby Wambach did a great job of providing that for the Alex Morgan generation of the national team. You have Carly Lloyd, hopefully, and, and, and Rapino, hopefully giving that to the Katarina Macarios of this new generation, but they they really do need that. And I worry that, I don't know that they'll hang their boots up right away. I, I mean, I hope not, but I agree. I definitely think it's a female thing. You know, locally, uh, I live near the San Jose Earthquakes MLS team. And Chris Wondolowski, that the you know MLS leading scorer of all time, he's 39. He and I are the same age, and um, he's our families are close friends because my husband played for the Quakes, and we knew him when when they all played at the Dynamo together. Chris was I don't know 25, couldn't even get a starting position. He was on the reserve team back when they had a reserve league, and just you know couldn't cut it. And now at 39, he's I mean amazing and if there's something to say about the slow progression i think it's very um, american in the youth sports world to want the olivia moultries to be the next thing these young kids we want to push 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 that they find success at that age but there really is something to say about being older and having the um the experience the mentality like you said so i i agree i really hope that they keep them <laughs> right and talking about that mentality i mean even like you said, um, Stephanie Labe, the goalie, I know she, you know, she stepped out for a bit because of her, you know, dealing with depression. And even um, just, you know, recently, recently with the NWSL and our rookie of the year on uh, OL Reign, Bethany Balser, you know, a lot of, you know, even just in, in the pro league itself before you even get into the national team, you know, trying to make that awareness, you know, it's going to be part of the, being an athlete is having that mentality strongness to be able to, to, um, to go through that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so switching gears slightly, the NWSL, I know you guys know a lot about that too. And I think you probably know a lot more than I do. I don't get to watch as many games as I'd like. We don't have a local team where I live, which is heartbreaking because my senior year of college, I was training with the Cyberays and the year I graduated, they folded. So I never, never had the opportunity to like play professionally I would have had to wait six years for the WPS to start up but then we had the FC Pride here we always had a team here so NWSL not having a team it's killing me up here but we do have there's a group of uh, Santa Clara girls trying to start not current Santa Clara like Castain, Daniel Slayton, Ali Wagner all of them are trying to kind of uh, start a Bay Area team there was the Oakland Roots were trying to put together some kind of women's team Sacramento so my fingers are crossed that we will have one. Um, but in the meantime, I watch a lot of the, you know, the um, Northwest kind of teams, the rain um, and the thorns and stuff like that. But let's start with who are your favorite NWSL players? But I, I don't know. It, oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, God. 
Um, we have a current mentor. I'm going to plug her. Uh, one of our current mentors at Female Footballers, her name is Taylor Porter. She plays for the Thorns. She was filling in for um, the Olympic squad situation. She plays internationally in Spain, but I'm hoping, fingers crossed, she gets to stay. So that's going to be my my favorite for now. <laughs> How about you guys? Uh, you want to go first, Sue? No, go ahead, Teresa. Okay. Well, like I said, down here in San Diego, in California, we were niche on the NWSL. I was an LA Soul fan before, and um, I've actually seen more OL Rain games. Unfortunately, I know she's a Portland fan um, because we're like that's West Coast. There's you know there's nobody here in California, so I really do like the OL Rain players. I'd have to say Jess Fishlock is actually one of my favorite ones too. She's a Welsh Dragon. She's awesome, and um, and actually, we're having the Cascadia rivalry coming up real quick here on um, August 29th. Um, they're having a doubleheader, all rain, Portland, and uh, Seattle Sounders in the Timbers, which I think is awesome that they're doing that. Uh, but yeah, now that we're going to have a San Diego team, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so jealous of you guys. That's so awesome. <laughs> but like I said, I, I watch all the games, and the, the play, there are players across the teams that are awesome. I just love, I love to watch them, so. Yeah. How about you, yeah, that's, that's a tough question. Um, I already mentioned Sinclair. She's my number one. Um, yeah, anytime the Ola Rain play uh, the Thorns, you know, that's a big matchup. Um, I'm going to go a little international. My favorite player is Dabinia. Um, Ooh, she's, yeah. <laughs> she's dynamic. She's a tiger. She um, is just kind of always there right she's kind of always in the right spot and that's not an easy thing to do right like it, it she makes it kind of look easy which means she's a really good player right if you can make it look easy it means you're good at what you do um she's crafty she's fiery right um so i'm going with the binia i like it i like it there's there are there's just so many there are so many <laughs> and it is crazy that we don't have a team in california i just think it's insane with our our youth market with our mls market i mean i mean the we all are angel city this is going to be really interesting to see san diego and la having a team that's why i'm like how does the bay area not have a team <laughs> So sorry, Sacramento. Talk. I know. I know. Sorry. There was, there was a lot of talks about Sacramento. And then I think when there yeah. somebody pulled out investment and it was, you know, yeah. I was hearing from big. my Sacramento friends. They kept saying, oh, it's coming. It's coming. And then yep. no. Nope. Yeah. And nothing. So I have heard rumblings about a Bay Area team, which if we have one, I want to be involved somehow. So we'll see. Make <laughs> it I happen, Cassie. Get, you know, I'm like, I don't know what I want to do, but I just want to be involved. But, um, Maybe we'll do like an academy for the mental side, but yeah. um, you know, out of curiosity though, with with you being uh, really well versed with NWSL, why do you think that it is a more successful or it's been the most successful, you know, women's professional league in America compared to WSA or the WPS? You know, do you have thoughts on that? And were you big into those two first rounds, or you know, you mentioned you were a soul fan, I'm sure you were, but like, you know. Why do you think it's it's still doing well? I think they've taken the lessons, obviously, from the first two. And a big part of it is investment, you know, having the people there to be able to do it. And in some ways, you see a lot of the cities are paired up on the men's side with MLS stadiums. And it kind of makes sense. You know, they got the facilities already there. So I think it is really hard to start it from ground up. And um, I mean, obviously, we're not a, uh, you know, a money making machine like some other leagues and stuff like that. But still, we have, you know, it's in terms of um, the level of play is really good. And um, I know there's still obviously some of my pet peeves of obviously advertisement and actually being able to see it from starting in what 2013 2014 we have evolved I mean obviously it's opened in terms of the streaming and being able to get some deals here and I think they're really working towards that and I've been seeing that um, more improvement on like I just heard about the the CBA you know and all that that's going on I mean it's kind of crazy to think that we've almost 10 years here and we haven't had a CBA, but uh, <laughs> at least we're going in some direction. 
and mm -hmm. and having an expansion teams too is obviously a good sign and i think um hopefully going forward you know they'll continue and as long as you know they can get that market out because what was it they say four million people watch sinky win the gold <laughs> i mean come on you know yeah. it's like it's incredible yeah so true what about you sue what do you think yeah so i was more familiar with the wusa um with the San Diego Spirit team that was here. And because I'm a big Mac fan and Foudy fan, of course, um, you know, we got season tickets from the very beginning. Um, looking back, I, I think one of the big differences is social media, right? Um, we now have this platform where we can correspond with people in different parts of the country, right? And have rivalries. Right, where before it was kind of like, oh, there's a team in San Diego, you know, it was kind of more word of mouth and like physical word of mouth. Um, and so I think social media has really kind of played into that. One of the things that I, I kind of took from the WUSA was there were some players that supported it and spearheaded it, but it may have been, um, they may not have been experienced enough to kind of carry it through right these were current players who were you know already had their minds on playing right and then kind of trying to support this league at the same time and i don't know if you'll remember but i think their biggest sponsor was hyundai right and then it was kind of like trying to grab other sponsors to come with them um i think the difference that i see from then to the nwsl now is the sponsorships have just been these big organizations, right? Budweiser, Secret, you know, and and they've been able to use their kind of wide network to to get the message out. Um, so you kind of go where the money goes. So I, I think money is a big factor too. Um, the the current commissioner lisa baird i think she brought a different level of experience and knowledge that the prior commissioner lacked maybe um i think she's a little more progressive so that might be you know how she's been able to kind of grow this league and bring you know the san diego team here and and bring angel city here um and then even with angel city i mean look at the investors in angel city you know these are professional athletes you've got serena Right, I mean, right there. She's the best women's, she's good. I'm gonna say she's the best tennis player of all time. It doesn't matter what gender, she's the best. And then you look at Naomi Osaka, right? She's part of North Carolina, the North Carolina Courage. You've got other professional athletes that are talking about it and putting their name out there and kind of connecting. Um, so I think that might also play into maybe more of the success of the NWSL now. I agree. I think their um, the investment is huge, and I think more companies that are purpose purpose driven companies, um, like Secret, for example, or Luna Bar, or you know these these companies that are female forward. They are, you know, I, I do think they're. It's just risk, right? We we keep saying women don't bring in money, but that's really not true because we've never really done it before. We haven't really tested those waters, in my opinion, and so I think. Um, you, I mean, Budweiser is huge. That's a huge, we need more of those types of companies. We need more athletes and actors to continue. I definitely think there's a trend there, but I also think the purpose behind some of these newer teams, I'll be curious to see the San Diego team and kind of their brand and their vibe because Angel City reminds me of, the only one I could think of is the Roots up here in Oakland. There's a purpose, community-driven vibe about both of those clubs that I think will help them sustain over time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the soccer and the success of the soccers might come a little bit later, but if they have that investment, if they have the branding, the, all the other sides of it, I think that's a smart way to go. And I think those first two leagues, we, like you said, you, you lean on some of the Foudies and these women who are gung-ho and advocates and work their butts off to get you know, these leagues to start, but they also, they were playing at the time and they were trying to work on their own brands and all that. And so I do feel like I, I really wish that we won the Olympics because I think that would have continued a bigger push for for all of this. I, I worry we're going to have to take a tiny step back because the momentum from 2019 was so good and then COVID hitting and now losing. I just really wish we could, 
we could have, you know, continued on that same vibe, but you know, we'll get there. I'm not worried about it. We're here for the long haul, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you also hit on the 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 some of the NWSL teams connecting with MLS teams, and I think that's an interesting concept. Um, you know, you have the Dynamo Dash connection there, right? That's that seems to work there. Chicago, it seems to work for Chicago. I'm curious, do you know anything about the San Diego and if they're going to use same facilities as like the Loyals or any of that kind of stuff? I, I heard that the Loyals had been in contact with Jill and Ron Burkle, the, the investment guy, but they, at this time they said they weren't going to do it. Um, I know that down in San Diego, we've been living here, we've had our Jack Murphy stadium that just got demolished because of the new um, Aztec stadium that's going there. Um, originally, I thought the Aztec stadium, they were going to have two stadiums, one for like American football and one for regular soccer. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's still true, but obviously they're very gung-ho and it's a private investment. So they're going by 2023 to have the stadium up and going. Oh, wow. And I have heard also that maybe Jill Ellis in our San Diego group is looking into using that stadium at some point. Um, but I know they've also, she's made big statements about one. She wants to have all female staff. She's, we already have the manager. We already have our coach. Woohoo! Yes. Yes. I'm so yes. glad. <laughs> yep. So and they want to, you know, set a, a, a standard. You know, we want to have a world-class team that's going to compete with Angel City and everybody else in the NWSL. And I don't know if you guys saw the video for the racing Louis, Louisville Stadium, Lynn Stadium, the brand new stadium that they built for them. Mm -hmm. Awesome, so beautiful. Um, they showed the locker rooms, and uh, I think it was one of the team members, Shayna, was talking about that she this was compared to what she saw in the F NFL, which, you know, that's kind of surprising, you know, <laughs> like we don't hear that for us women, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to see. And I know for sure, obviously we'll be going back to the USD yeah. for the first year to watch, you know, the games, but um, it'll be exciting to see what, what um, eventually becomes, you know, our home. Yeah, I'm excited for you guys. I think that's always the biggest issue. Um, but even at these collegiate, you know, fields, there's a vibe. I just think that you can still create. You know, my my husband was uh, in MLS, like I mentioned, and he played for the Quakes in 05. And then that following year, Quakes didn't have a stadium. They were playing at Spartan Stadium in San Jose State. And we, our team left. We didn't have the Quakes and they moved to Houston Dynamo. So we were part of that group. I moved with him. We lived in Houston for a while and they were playing at a college stadium there. And then by the time we left Houston, they finally got a stadium. And then he came back here in 08 when they finally, you know, had a team for the Quakes, but we were playing at Buckshaw Stadium where Santa Clara plays. And then by the time he retired, they finally opened what is now PayPal Park. So we never got the real stadium thing, but but you, there was still such a great vibe in those small venues. It reminds you of, you know, European kind of uh, feel which I kind of love too you're all, right on the field like that I think that's kind of cool too um, but yeah and, and I think like you said like we were talking about Angel City having this vibe of um, purpose behind it and all these investors and this kind of women uh, but now with San Diego having an all-female staff that's like setting another precedent which I think is a great move and I love personally love Jill Ellis I got to see her talk in person one time and meet her and She's just awesome. She's I'm I'm envious. You guys have a great start for your staff down there. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I, was, I was wondering if LA was gonna get Casey, but thank God <laughs> we got her. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely following that too. When she left Man U, I was like, huh, the timing is just kind of perfect. I think she might come out west. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So you guys said you were into an international soccer too, just to touch on that really quickly. So female footballers, we have about four of our mentors who work with young girls who are international players. And when I started all of this and we started gaining all these mentors with our courses, it was kind of my first introduction into uh, international soccer on that level. Like being growing up and playing collegiately, it wasn't popular nor talked about. There was no social media or cell phone type of stuff back then. So you just didn't have the access to know if you could play abroad. You know, a few women were in Japan at the time, I think. 
it wasn't popular. And nowadays, you know, like I said, half of my staff either did play or currently plays abroad. And mm -hmm. I've gotten to now become a fan of all these other leagues and players. And it's really opened up my eyes. And I think it's so fascinating. How did you guys come to become fans of the international game? How often are you watching games? Because those are also really hard to, to watch, <laughs> you know, at all, and, you know. So, and favorite teams, players of all of that too. I'd love to hear, hear your thoughts. Did you want to go first, Sue? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, um, you know, prior to COVID, obviously uh, the Women's English League, we didn't get a chance to see much of, because, you know, it was just wasn't there. But when they made um, the great uh, streaming available, all of a sudden, you know, it was like, you know, got to, to open up. And so many times, you know, we've heard so much because obviously we heard from the men's side of the English Premier League that I got to see more English Premier Leagues since COVID than I've ever seen up to that time. And um, I'm actually a reading fan, probably because of Jessica Fishlock. But <laughs> I <do. laughs> obviously I, Chelsea is awesome in the Women's Premier League. And I also followed the W League, the Westerfield League with Australia, obviously, because that's the cool thing about the NWSL. You know, we have a lot of international players that play for the NWSL. So then you started to think, oh, what's this Australian player? You know, who's these, these players? And obviously, again, like you said, there's actually some movement. We've had, you know, us go over to England and we've had uh, a lot of our ladies go down to uh, Australia to play. Because, you know, in terms of, of the timing and being able to play almost year round, you know, obviously makes uh, probably very, very much something that they would like to do. So, and uh, down in the uh, W League, I mean, obviously we saw Australia, they got awesome team. I met Tegan Micah. Um, I got to see her play at UCLA um, and they had a, um, one of our preseason games for OL Reign was down here when they used to be just uh, Seattle, was down here actually in San Diego. So I got to meet them. And, um, here, you know, it was just, just really cool to, like I said, um, meet some of the international players. It's really cool. How about you, Sue? Yeah, I mean, I could just echo what Sharissa said. Um, it was interesting because uh, over the last, I'll say maybe two NWSL seasons, I've really seen kind of an influx of players going overseas, right? You have Tobin Heath, you have Kristen Press, right? You've got Sam Kerr coming and going and, and even Alex Morgan. Um, and so it was kind of like, hey, what's going on over there? Why they're going over there, right? Like, what's the reason? Is it more money? Is it better facilities? And so I started researching it a little bit and yeah, I mean, some of it is more money. Some of it is fantastic resources and facilities. Um, it is more difficult to watch. Absolutely. I agree with Teresa. You kind of have to, you know, subscribe to this platform like a Twitch or, you know, a Yahoo or whatnot. So it's a little bit more difficult. You have to kind of research it more. Um, but, you know, I, I, I even followed Abby Dahlkepper, right, when she kind of, uh, you know, went over. And even with Steph Labe, you know, she's played in Sweden several times. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see, like, the difference between how we play here, how they play there, um, and I guess just the the resources that are available. Um, I can't really say that I follow those other leagues, the international leagues, as closely, um, but it's it's just kind of more of hey, let's research something new, right? Let's research why they're moving. And I also subscribe to, is it okay if I say the publication that I subscribe oh, yeah, to? Yeah, totally. Okay, there's, a, there's an English publication called Soccer Kicks. It's a, it's a female run, um, really, really quality magazine. And uh, I'd get an airmail, right? And it would come in, in this really nice package. And it was very specific to, um, obviously it's female athletes, but um, it was very specific to uh, English teams, right? And so I learned a lot from that. And um, kind of saw how the salaries were different and, and um, you know, kind of how they ran things over there. So um, it was a little bit of kind of research on my own on the internet, and then a little bit of this magazine that I look forward to every month. Yeah, I think that's the hard part is you really do. And even with the NWSL in a bit, I think people have to, you have to be seeking it out a little bit. I have a 14-year-old niece, and I'll throw out different girls' names, and she's like, who? 
I'm like, how do you know who this player is? Like, you need to know who that is. And she's yeah. like, where can I watch them? And I'm like, mm, there you yeah. go. That's a good point. Um, but it's, you know, it's interesting because some of these girls on our staff, one of them, um, our current international player, her name's Haley Lucas. She played in the first division of France for EAG and she just switched over to Budapest. And her, her individual account of like playing over there, it's interesting. You know, when she was with EAG in France, you know, you're in France. She knew how to speak French. It was, it was fun. It was, you know, adorable. Her little town she lived in, all of that. They were, uh, there was a women's team and a men's team. So they were very much, they got great facilities. They had, you know, um, just also everybody at their beck and call. The money wasn't great. She had to do some English tutoring. Um, but what she would comment on is um, the vibe of how a female athlete is treated and perceived over there is very different from here. Um, meaning I think because the men's game is such a bigger deal over there than it is here, you just, um, you're not getting the same vibe. You know, she comes here and it's like, people know what the NWSL is for the most part in the soccer world. They, they watch it, they support it. You know, she said those were some of the differences, but I mean, obviously every individual player is, is going to be different in their experiences. But I do think, um, when I asked a couple of them, you know, why international, why not NWSL? A big reason is just the experience of living overseas. Like a lot of girls, one, a lot of girls don't know that's an option. And then two, um, you know, you got, you have to want to live abroad kind of, and that's something they all wanted to do. I just think it needs to be just more access this is why we're talking about all of this, the women's national team and NWSL, like more access to players. I think you touched on it earlier with social media. If you're a young girl listening, like start following these players because that's how you learn about them. And I started following so many international players when all these mentors came on and that led me to following their games and you know, keeping up with the different leagues because there are a lot and um, and just learning about it because I think that's super important. And I think uh, you guys are very well versed in your soccer knowledge. I'm very impressed <laughs> and I think it's awesome. And I think this is again why we need more people um, to continue to play and be fans of the sport, more women representation in that realm. Growing up, I don't know about you guys, but growing up, all the people around me were men who watched sports, whether it was soccer or not. I, my mom wasn't into sports. Not a lot of the women in my life were um, huge sports people. So I think the more we can hear women talking about soccer, it's just going to help everything all around, <laughs> you know, playing it, talking about it, watching it. All of that soccer yeah. is joy <laughs> right i mean it brings you joy like my shirt says i can't i have soccer oh i love it that's <laughs> awesome that's so yep. cool yes absolutely I, can't. I have soccer <laughs> well this has been so much fun getting to know you guys and your and what you guys do with you know san diego soccer women in your own leagues i think it's huge um a shout out to brandy mitchell thank you for what she does and bringing all of us together. That's so cool. And um, if you're listening, please go check out their website, see what they're doing and start something similar in your town because the more organizations and networks like this we can have around the country, the better we're gonna be as far as gonna help all the different areas that we talked about tonight. So so thank you both for, for being on tonight. I really appreciate it. And um, if you, uh, if you can, everybody listening, go follow them on their Instagram and Facebook. I think, are you guys on any other platforms or any other LinkedIn? Yeah. yeah. So for, for my league, the Prime of Life Women's Soccer League, uh, we're on Facebook. Nice. Uh, it's an easy Prime of Life. I think it's, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say, I think it's primeoflife.org. It's something yeah, along those lines. Yeah. I, yeah. But yeah, Prime of Life Women's Soccer, you'll find it. Awesome. And we're North County Women's Soccer Association. Um, and that, again, we're on uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram, all that. Awesome. You can find it on the San Diego one with Brandy. She's got it on there for sure. Perfect. And really appreciate Cassie for what you do too. You know, oh, we're you. on that side of things with, um, you know, young uh, women is, is awesome. Really, you know, like I said, when, when I was a kid, it would have been amazing to have that if I had that when I first started out. So Yeah, yeah, same. I think that's what, like, you know, just trying to connect these young kids 
and letting them know that their soccer journey is lifelong and that it doesn't have to stop at any age. And I love that, that you guys are, you know, play at every age type of organization. So thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate your time. And um, hopefully we can catch up soon after the next big tournament. I'm going to want to talk to you guys about all this. See you in New Zealand, right? New Zealand slash Australia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Are you guys planning to go to that? I, a really big possibility, man. <laughs> yeah. Can't miss an opportunity of exploring Australia and obviously seeing soccer at the same time. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Cassie.